Columbo. What? That's what he did in the movie. No, I know. Oh, this thing. Uh, I, yeah. Uh, little white chicks action. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's start this mother. Mother. Your headphones are up there. Wow, we started. Yeah. That was a smooth start. <laughs> that was a smooth uh, a little twisted up too, start to that you're twisted up. But I love that people see the uh <laughs> oh, well. the making of yeah. a podcast. Welcome. This is Howie Mandel Does Stuff. I'm Howie Mandel. I'm Jacqueline Schultz, his daughter. Hello, and Hi. I'm Terry Cruz. How you done? I don't know. This thing is all messed up, but it's okay. What's messed up? This, I can't Can you not hear? Oh. I don't want to break it. That's break it. It's okay. No, no, oh, no that's no, not I how can't. you do it. <laughs> Alex. I'm trying to get it. No, no. Let him. This is oh, there content. It is. That's, that's how we do it. This is content. And you can lower the mic to your mouth. Yep. Is yep. It, like we had it all work. Who wow, needs a Rubik's a Cube technic- when you this have This is a lot headphones. of technology for a podcast. This is beautiful. Really? A headset and a mic? No, well, I'm looking at all the pretty lights and things. This is beautiful. Yeah, well, you know, a, a lot of people <laughs> listen to a podcast, and then we have uh, uh, over 20 people that will watch this <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> yes. So they can watch it. Terry Crews. Hey. Terry Crews, I don't know what to, what, what are you saying? I got a signal from Caroline. What, what are you saying? Can you just scoot closer to Jackie a little bit, please? <laughs> For the cameras. Yeah, Is that yeah, better? Just... Is that better? Okay. Okay. A lot of people will do this before the production begins. <laughs> we do it in the midst of the production. <laughs> yes. That's Caroline, one yes. of our producers. And Anyway, Terry Crews. Hello. Who is, uh, hello, Terry. Uh, a friend um, but m- more than just a friend, you are an inspiration, buddy. You really are. Um, Terry Crews, I don't know, um, I'm sure that everybody listening knows who he is um, as the host of AGT, but he's more than the host of AGT, a, formal N- a former NFL uh, player, um, an artist, a, uh, a, a flautist, yes. a motivational speaker, an author, yes. tough. Yep. Getting to, that, the new book, book is doing great, it's right? It's doing very, very well. Yeah. yeah. I'm so happy. Why did you write the book? You know, I wrote a one in uh, 2014 called Manhood, and um, I thought that would be it. Like, you know, that's my memoir. You know, throw it all out there. And then a whole lot more life happened. I mean, like tons more. Um, a lot of it public. <laughs> lot, yeah, in front of everybody. A lot, I mean, you know, the pandemic happened. My wife was fighting breast cancer. Uh, I got molested by an agent. Uh, and then there were all these questions, like crazy questions, all the time, all the time. And I said, I need another book. I need to really just put it all out there um, one more time. And But also what was weird I, is I learned a lot more about myself. Like, you, you, I thought I knew myself even after I wrote the first one. And, right. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. I got, I, I'm still learning. This, this is a whole nother thing. And I just had to, and I think there'll be another one maybe in about 10 more years or 15. And then I, I'll, I'll go back and go, you know, I didn't know what I was talking about back then. I don't know. It's just like a constant growth. What, what's amazing about you, um, the, the experience that I've had with you, besides working with you and hanging with you and being, I, um, it, as it turned out, I do these corporate dates. You know, I'll do a stand-up comic, and they'll hire me as a stand-up comic. And as luck would have it, one of these corporate dates for whatever the company was, and I can't remember exactly what the company was, but they had hired they hire also speakers, 
uh, and motivational speakers. And, and, and we got, I got booked as the entertainment at night and you got booked as the speaker, the, the main the day, speaker yeah, I during that. the day. So I, it was the first time. So I sat down and listened to this speak. And I tell you, it was one of the most moving afternoons and inspiring afternoons I ever had. And even though I know some of the stories, and uh, I think the world knows some of the stories uh, about where you came from and who you are and what you've done. OMG is uh, is the best way to describe what what is that? What is your message to human? You know, it, it, I also believe sometimes your speaking has gotten you in trouble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all know that. <laughs> and it, and you keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, um, now you know. You, the big thing for me is, uh, you know, I used to, my first 40 years on earth, I I was very secretive. I had my, you know, my image and it was the Terry Crews image, man. And it what was, was that image? It was a, it was a beautiful, muscular black man who stood up and beat everybody and was the man and the Same. coolest thing Same. in the room. Same. And yeah. we were both bald. Yeah. <laughs> And I was the cool, I I was like, I got everything together. Like, I wanted everybody to know I had everything together. I want, I got my wife, I got my kids, and it's all in line. Everything, you know, nothing is out of sorts. And it was a lie. It was a huge, gigantic image that I, that I worshiped, that I had everybody else worshiped. And the thing was, is I was very, very successful. So, it was there was no one to even challenged that they were like yeah man he you hey you doing great you're the man but the only the thing that really really kind of put a dent in all that is my wife was like hell no i've had enough this is it your wife my wife she was Rebecca. like that's this whole thing is a crock of shit and i was like what oh. happened well first of all um you know as I was being, I was Mr. You know, you know, Hollywood and doing my thing and all this stuff. And but what was weird is that slowly but surely we were growing apart. You know what I mean? And and it's wild because you you know you know what's happening. She knew it was happening, and she just kept questioning me. But I had a lot of secrets. I mean, stuff that I had held over for years, a lot of football stuff. And and what was wild is I had this addiction to pornography that I never told her about. But then you know what was so crazy is that 20 years into our marriage, 10 years uh, 10 years into it, I had had I had, had some infidelity at a massage a massage parlor and I I got a hand job at a massage parlor and I I vowed I would never ever ever tell. Like I said this is it. There will be no, you know, I will go to my grave with this and I'll just put it out of my mind and it, it act like it didn't happen. But the problem is is that one lie turns into 10, turns into 100. And what happened was it was like my wife knew something was up, but just couldn't put her finger on it, couldn't tell what it was. And I would constantly redirect. I would get into arguments to make sure she wouldn't ask anymore. Well, okay, so let's you know? let, let's take you through this. So you got a hand job at a at a happy ending. Yeah, you, you said you're going to put this out of your mind. Obviously, you, did you go back for more? Is no, that- no, I never went back. Never went back. Never did it again. So it was all based on this one infidelity. But but the, but but the pornography still still came still still was in my life. Like 
that was a, a, a thing that I had that I just could not break it was like why that. is porn why is porn bad i think a lot of people would listen yeah. it's okay to watch porn you're just watching it and it's entertaining and it's could, could be satisfying why is that bad well this is the thing um well first of all if your wife is fine with it then there you go you know what i mean i, I guess it wouldn't be bad but the problem was i i kept it from her because she didn't like it and if she would agree then it would have been cool but she didn't like it and how do you know she didn't like because it? Because she let me know she didn't like it. And that's one reason why but I you never said told it was her. a secret. Well, but this is the thing. I mean, there were times when she she would walk caught in you. and caught me or whatever, and she's like, You are you in that? I'm like, oh no, no. I was just seeing what was going on. You know, it was I, I just never, what never. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, like, I, a, I, like a 15 year old being <laughs> caught by their mom. Oh, yeah, it was. A grown ass man. Like I'm like, oh I I, I just I, I can't believe people are having sex on the <laughs> internet. You know, <laughs> but, but this is the thing, though, and, and that's that's the thing. It's kind of like my my big deal was it started to change, and this is where you you, you go into it because again, a lot of people say there's nothing wrong with it, but I know for me, for me, it started to change the way I saw people. Like, really, people did they lost their humanity? Like people became objects. Like it it it, it felt like I was disconnected and. And I have to tell you, in another, general, or just the people that you were watching in? No, just every, like I, when I say that, I, 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 it means that you know it, it's kind of like your. I have to say, whatever you think about, it kind of manifests in different ways. You know what I mean? Like I, I saw women as less than me. You know what I mean? I I saw women as oh yeah yeah you know she's probably you know it, it's it's kind of weird because. The mindset was just because I was a man that I was more valuable than the women in my life simply because that's what everything told me. And when I looked at and porn in itself, it's one of those things where like I remember going to a strip club with with uh, football players and, you know, the, the, the girl is up on stage and the whole thing. And then she comes down and wants to talk to the players. It's like, stop, stop talking to us because you're like becoming human. You know what I mean? Like you're. I want you to go back up there and be a picture, be an image, be just be a doll. But any bit of humanity was is off-putting, and I started to treat people like that, treat everyone in my life like that. And I saw how this was changing me. And then another thing was is that all addictions are you deal with. It's a it's a response to helplessness. You know what I mean? Like, as a kid, my father was very abusive. Uh, and I grew up, my mother was addicted to religion. And my father was- Addicted a, to religion. Addicted to religion. When I say addicted to religion, the church we went to was a cult. It was, I could not go to the movies. I couldn't go, we couldn't listen to secular music. We couldn't play sports. I couldn't dance. I couldn't do everything I'm doing with my life right now. I was not allowed to do as a kid. Like they catch you dancing. Because you go to hell? You go to hell. If everything would send you to hell. And then there was this thing called the rapture where there was this thing where, okay, if you're caught in doing one of these bad things, 
you know, God's going to take all the good people and leave you behind. And if you're left behind, the whole world's going to go to hell. You're going to get your head cut off. You're gonna all cut, all. But you, they, they and there was no you. way out. So if you did something bad, aren't you allowed to? I'm, I'm a Jew. I don't really understand. Aren't you right. allowed to go to confession and then say a couple of Hail Marys and then it's okay? That's not the way it worked. Uh, you have to understand, shame ran the whole thing. You know, like you had to be ashamed of everything. Um, and so when you're shamed... It was constantly this feeling of, and shame tells you that you are bad. It doesn't tell you that you did a bad thing, you know? And this is the thing, the church we went to, everybody was bad. We are bad people by nature. So the only way to get good is to be there and serve God at 24 hours a day, for, you know, all every hour on the hour, every minute on the minute, you had to be, oh, you, know, you were all in. Are you not concerned even at this moment, talking about this this way? There are people, church-going, God-fearing people who are going to say, this is a sin right now, the, what you're saying. Yeah, but you know, what's what's wild is the, was when I say this stuff, people go, yeah. Yeah, a lot of church going people go, yeah, that happened to me too. That's me. I mean, when are you talking about this? Again, it was it was a cult. It slipped over into craziness. And now let me tell you why it, it, it really affected me to this point. Because I remember being, as a kid, I was helpless. Meaning, you know, my father was alcoholic. And I could never do anything to please my mother because you can't because my mother was like, you gotta please God and you can't do anything enough to please God. So it was a constant feeling of being helpless. But but what was wild is that pornography was it, it took me out of all that. It was like, oh like I didn't drink, I didn't smoke, but that was one of the things like, oh my How God. How did you get in the uh, dude? I was at I was my flute lessons. My flute lessons. <laughs> wait, 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 All right. wait. I know, let me tell you. I'm getting an image. No, that, no, no. Uh, let me get, let me get. Band camp. Let, band me, camp. let me clarify. You better. <laughs> she was so good at playing the flute. <laughs> no, I would go over my uncle's house. My uncle was wait. a jazz musician. Okay. And he played the saxophone and the flute. And that's who's, who taught me. But he was really, uh, you know, he, he, would, he was a jazz guy. So he would get high. He had like the. Is this your mother's brother? This, this was my, uh, actually my aunt's husband. Okay. So he was a, a, a an uncle by marriage. By marriage, and he, but he would get high, and he was all into everything. Like he had the zodiac calendar with all the sexual positions, and I'd be walking, and I'm like, wow, you know. How old and, were you? Oh, I was probably nine years old. Oh shit. Um, <laughs> and he also had a huge chest full of every brand of porn like you know player penthouse we playboy all the hustler everything and what would happen is i would do the lesson and then i'd have to wait for my mother to pick me up and he'd leave me down there reading and i op i found it kids will always find this is another thing too people are like you know nothing wrong with porn if you're over 18 but i don't know anybody who ever discovered pornography at 18 no you know no. you're always a child you know right. somehow and and I, and this is where it 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 kind of messed me up because I was too young, and those images and that's and and the position that I was in, just in my home life, it it's changed something in my brain. You know, like I know there was something that happened where I was like, "This, I'm hooked." Because, dude, when I opened that magazine, I was like, "Holy cow!" I was gone. Like 
it was like a high. And I was like, they're so beautiful. And oh, you look at these women. Now, I didn't even know what sex was because, again, part of the religion, you never talked about sex. Right. Sex was forbidden. Did you did and, you have any idea where you came from? I, no. In fact, <laughs> my parents never talked about sex. My father, even now to this day, never talked about sex with me. I mean, to this day, we've never had a conversation about sex. And then my mother was like, the only way she would bring it up is like, are you having it? Are you having sex? I'm like, no, 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 I'm not on it. And that was it. Why and, would and she ask you that? Because it was, she was like, and this is another thing. She said, because she got pregnant and she was 16 and 18 and she, she didn't trust any young man. And so she thought that we were lying about everything. Wait, wait, suspicious. wait, let's go back. So she didn't yeah, trust you back. She was either. so religious that you think she was repenting for what she believed oh, were her sins? Absolutely. I, I, because, yes, because she did all this stuff. So you go get saved so that you can make it all up. Like, I got to fix everything. So I'm going to dedicate my life to the church. I'm not going to be evil anymore. Um, and But, you know, I'm still bad. I'm always a bad person, so I can never really fix this. So just by giving my life to God, it's the reason, same reason why people go, I think they join, you know, be it a monk or go jo join whatever, because they feel like, you know, I got to make up for something that, so, that I did in the past. And now I'm going to just dedicate my life to God and that's it. But that's not the right motivation. It's, it's, it's obvious. And what was crazy is my pastor of that church, who was this really hardcore dude, he was selling crack and using crack out of the pulpit, man. And he had like five girlfriends. He wrote a book about it. Uh, at the time of the of all the time I was growing up there, he had women. He was he was sleeping with married women. He was having sex. He was doing crack selling. What was crack. the religion? What was the religion? Well, it was it's it's a Pentecostal religion, but the church was called the Church of God in Christ. And, and this is Detroit. Great, this is in Flint, Michigan. Flint, Michigan. In Flint, Michigan. And he actually, he was a bishop. He actually worked his way up to being a bishop in the Shit. church, but he had all this dirt. Like, How do you know about this dirt? Well, he wrote a book about it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he actually wrote a book. She asked Harry one question, it's fucking movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Well, one thing, this is why I had to write another book, because one thing leads to several other things. So, um, but what was so crazy is that I was underneath this whole, this, this thing, and once I got out, I, but see, I, I also learned when I was young is how to be two people. You learn that it doesn't matter who you are. What matters is what you look like. Like the image is everything. That's what matters. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what your feelings are. What matters is, is the image you portray to everyone. And that's the what, lesson What taught you that? The church. Football. How did you know that he was fucking people? Oh, my, this and is the, crack. You know what was wild is my father was in the street. Now my father's alcohol. He he didn't care about the church. He didn't. He never went. And he used to confront my mother like, "Hey, hey, I know about this dude." And she was like, "Don't you talk bad about Pastor Jones? Don't you say nothing about Pastor Jones?" And my father be like, "Oh, I know about Pastor Jones. I know about him, <laughs> Trish. I know." And we, I used to hear this argument going all day. And I would be like, well, Pastor Jones, no, he's okay because he's with my, my mother said he's okay. Oh, my God. And it all came out. The whole thing imploded, right? And, and I'm fascinated that a guy like this was able to even, you know, get a congregation. and, oh. and Why? Make... That happens all the time. 
There's, Let me there's say, a lot of people that are not good people that are able to get a following oh yeah. and lead them to whatever their beliefs may be. That happens all the time. Yeah. I got to tell you, this Hitler. got me wrong. Hold up. This yeah. Guy, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. First of all, the charisma this man had. This is one, this is one reason why. And this is why I always question the leaders. I got in trouble. I got in trouble over the pandemic for questioning leaders. Questioning leaders for uh, BLM, questioning leaders for any church, questioning leaders. Everyone was like, yeah, well, you should just trust us because blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, hey, wait, 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 wait. What are you saying? What do you mean? And where are we going? And if you can't ask, you can't answer those questions, what happens is the, charis- the charisma of a leader just gets people, listen, and I did a movie called Idiocracy that people love. I do love that. And exactly. Uh, President Dwayne Elizondo, Mountain Dew, Herbert Camacho. I based him on Elder Jones. Who is? Who was the preacher. The pastor. The pastor that did all this crazy stuff. Because he said gibberish. But the way he said it. Everyone, I give you my word, he gonna fix the dust storms too. I give you my word, he gonna fix the economy. <laughs> and people are like, yeah, yeah. Well, what did he say? I don't know. He said nothing. So your distrust in everything and your questioning everything stems from your childhood and having distrust in the people that you were supposed to believe in, even yourself, because you said that you were two different people. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So you couldn't even trust yourself nope I, and you knew other people couldn't trust who you were portraying yourself as well i i went along with the game i yeah. figured like this is this is the people who went in are the people who are doing that and i was very secretive didn't say shit about nothing like wouldn't tell people nothing and would and 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 i was extremely competitive like in every scene it was like i could smile at you and everything but i wanted to destroy whoever was in front of me i mean literally like I looked at everything as a as an obstacle. Every were you person, violent? Were you violent? Very, very violent. Very. I had a lot of rage, and this is another thing. When you're helpless, it, you get rage. When rage fuels addiction, and you know this is one reason why I got the muscle. My father was very abusive, but abusive physically, but physically, but not to me. It was he beat up my mom and. I knew one day I said, well, I mean, just watching the way my father operated, I was like, that's the way you run the world. That's that's the lesson I got. He was manhandling. He would grab her. He would. It, and this is a, another thing in the culture that I grew up in. The whole thing was you didn't really appreciate your family. You controlled your family like you owned them. Um, and it was a thing where you went around the attempt to control people was the way everything operated. I mean, the whole thing about being a pimp was a real, like, it was it was looked at as a very, you know, respectable thing. Like, yeah, I'm pimping, man. You know, I could tell these girls to do whatever, and they do it. Uh, and then you did that with people. And, you know, th- this took a lot of dissecting. This took years of me kind of looking back at why I believed, why I did the things I did, and, and where I was, and again, Everyone would say, but Terry, you're a nice guy, whatever. But man, when I snapped, it was wild, man. There were so many people who I picked up and put on their head on the concrete, man. My wife was running and screaming like, why did you go there? Why did you do? And I I blacked out. This is one thing I realized like when people brought up the whole Will Smith, Chris Rock thing. I said, 
I did that. Like, I know what Will Smith was thinking, the blackout. Because, listen, he literally blacked out. He got up there. He didn't even know where he was. And I promise you, after he's got, he starts yelling, get my wife's name on you. He was like, what is happening? Uh-oh. Really? I promise you that. He had no idea. Well, he has a I similar background. He there. talked about not being able to protect his mother in yes, his book. Because his father, he brings up his father's abuse in the book, too. Because I read that book. I couldn't believe it. I was like, man, it's always like these same kind of themes that bring this stuff out. And my wife had sat me down. She was like, Terry, listen, man, if you do this, like, if you can't get control of this, we're going to lose everything. Because you're going to kill somebody. You're going to kill somebody or you're going to get killed. Cause, or you're going to just do it to the wrong person and they're going to kill you. Um, you know, because one, one, one of the incidents, the police came and they were ready to shoot me. Um, and this old white guy came out of the crowd. I was like, no, 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 I saw the whole thing. It's okay. You know, they were being bothered and the whole thing. And they believed him, but they didn't believe me. Um, and she well, was- Well, what happened? Well, th- what happened was these guys, they were set, They were standing around. I had already been a little bit famous. And I was. Uh, we were headed to the Longest Yard rap party. And this, the Chris these, Rock one. This the, is a, yeah, me and Chris Rock, Adam Sandler, the whole thing. I okay. played a character named Cheeseburger Eddie. Right, I know, I saw the movie. Like, and so we went there. Uh, we were on our way, and we had dinner, and we waiting for the car to come. And uh, these guys came. They were drunk, and they were like, "Hey, man, it's that dude, man, it's that dude from Friday, yo, hey, 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 let me get, let me get autograph, man, let me go." And I'm like, "Oh boy, okay, okay." I said, "You have a pen." Now my wife is pregnant with my son at the time. And he is 16 years old now, but this was 16 years ago. So he slaps my wife on the arm. Hey, you ain't got no pen and shit. That's all he had to do. That's all he had to do. I picked him up, put him on his head. His friends saw that. They were like, ah. And I started stomping this guy. Like, I didn't stop. And I wasn't going to stop. My wife was like, stop. Stop. She's screaming. Now, you got to understand, this is Christmas time. Downtown Pasadena, people were running, screaming, hollering, like, wow. Again, what he did was wrong, but it it was the punishment did not fit the crime because I, I was gone. It was way too much. And she, after I got away with that, because again, I blacked out. She's like, all right, Terry. What stopped? How did, what stopped you? The police. No, the, when the police came and oh. they had their hands on their guns and all of a sudden the, the guy came out and was like, stop, stop, stop. It's the same event. And she was like, Terry, we are going to lose everything we have. First of all, you, go, you don't you want to be there for your son when he grows up? Like, because I don't see it. I just don't see it. I see you're going to be in prison. Because you have, and she used to always say, you have this rage. You have this anger. I'm like, what do you mean I'm angry? <laughs> I, I almost remember it almost goes back to, I'm not angry. What the hell are you talking about? I mean, dude. This is where I'm like, I'm losing it. Like, I'm losing it. At it also, like, Will, at a really good time, you're going to a premiere of your movie. Yeah. You know? Oh, no. And that's the thing. Because when everything starts getting bigger, now the pressure starts to get bigger. And everything, and all the, you know, if you have a fault or a flaw, or these things, they start to rise. You know what I mean? Like, if you're down and, and everything is just, you're, you're just not that successful, you, know, you can get away with a lot of stuff. But when everybody's looking and everybody, and now the stakes get bigger and bigger and bigger and the pressure gets, everything you do gets, and let me tell you how it happened. 
like when it really, really went down. My wife, I was in New York, she was in LA, and my wife just wouldn't leave me alone about just she's like, there's something I don't know about you. Like, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't trust you. And I was like, oh, and and listen, the question was for, for me, it was like, why doesn't she believe me? Right. But the question should have been, why am I lying? You see what I'm saying? No, like that's a total same context, totally different. Why doesn't she believe me? I thought she should just be believing whatever I say. Well, even can I just I give know you, I'm lying. Okay, but can I give you the other side of yeah, that go story? Ahead. So so you had an indiscretion. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which it's human. Yes. Oh, absolutely. D did you not believe that her knowing it would cause more damage than you I'm just giving you an, like another playing devil's advocate. Mm -hmm. Is it bad to lie to save the marriage or is it better to be honest and see where it goes? I, first of all, I discovered the way I, I discovered is that honest is everything. Like for me, and this is where I went to radical transparency. When you see, you know, like, when I go in and I just say who I am, it's an attempt to kill the image. It's like to rip it down. So it, it leaves me right out there. Now, you, I can't hide behind that anymore because the hiding is what continues the thing. Now, when I say that, I mean, one lie turns into another. Like it just continues because it'd be different if I had this conversation, I told my wife I was having these thoughts or these issues. And then she said, and you know what was crazy? Because I thought as soon as I told her, she would be like, I'll hate you. I'll never, uh, you know, the marriage will be over. And so, so my attempt in my head was to save the marriage. That's what I'm saying. But what, what I was doing was actually controlling her. You see what I mean? It was control. You're controlling the situation. You think you're controlling her? Did you come yeah, because if you don't, if you don't tell people the truth, you're you're trying to control people. Did you come to all these realizations yourself, or did you go to therapy? Th therapy, and um, now this is where and this is another thing about therapy. When you know, in the culture, when I where I grew up, therapy was viewed as quackery. It was viewed as crazy. Yeah, that's not only your culture. Yeah. That's that's humanity right now. Well, you know, my whole soapbox is to remove the stigma of saying you have a mental health issue and maybe go get help. Uh, yeah. So I don't think it's just in your community. No, it's, it's probably not. It's, it, but I'm just saying from where I was in, now you have to understand too, there's a there's a there's almost a triple whammy. The sports culture on right. top of the male culture. And then you have black culture, which was black culture viewed therapy as indoctrination into whiteness you understand really? what i'm oh, oh you like i've never heard that. hey man we didn't have black therapists so you're like why are you going to that white man and tell him your problem man uh-uh no 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 them white people gonna make you crazy you understand what i mean so yeah it, it, it's a triple whammy wait and you're talking about some of the most people who've been through some of the most trauma of all time absolutely who will never get help because they feel like that's being white. So you know where you go? You go to the church. But the pastor's sleeping with everybody around. <laughs> so where do you get the help you need? Where? And that was my problem. Wow. And it was stuck. Are you ringing? I don't know. What, yeah, the, it's phone. It's, 
I turned the phone off, but the eye watch is on. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's your therapist. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> he heard me. He heard. <laughs> but you see what I mean? Like, That's amazing. Isn't so, that? And, and, and it becomes this circle where, wait, and dude, you got to understand, people will go to their grave. It's like I've seen grown men, and I mean from the NFL, it's like falling into a hole. And you're in this hole, but you're too, you can't yell help because that would mean you looked weak. So you just sit there quietly and you go, you just wait for somebody to come through or whatever. You can't get out of the hole at all. So you're just sitting there like, yeah, well, you know, one day I'm going to levitate out this month, you know, like I'll, I'll get out of here. And you never do. And you die in the hole. Oh, shit. Isn't that crazy? It but if you, crazy. Share, if you held help, help, it'd be like, oh, look at this punk. Oh, <laughs> look at this punk, this punk ass down there in the hole. He can't get out. Help! And then he pull you out, and you look like a weak punk, and everybody's like, you're so weak, it's sorry. Look at so you. you talk about, you know, as a, I'm telling you, as a white guy, you know, we, we learn about the oppression, you know, and we know, but we, that still exists. Yes. And I don't, until you, that's incredibly sad. You just, yeah. but it's wonderful that you talk about that. But that's, and that's the thing, Howie, that's my thing. I said, if I don't talk about it, see, and that's why I had to write another book. You know, you go, you sit there like, I got to talk about this. Like, people don't well, know. So and, my question to you is, yeah, my dad ahead. always talks about how he's scared now as a comic to talk about stuff and cancel culture and people getting on him because he is on shows like AGT and yeah. has sponsors and stuff like that, and he can get in trouble and lose everything. Are you not, I know you said you're not really nervous about like social media and people and what they think, but do you ever get nervous about your career? Yeah. Uh, well, but this is the thing, man. If I talk about me, it's still mm -hmm. me. Like, it's me. This is my experience. His, it, I'll give you an example yeah. of what he did that I don't think I would ever have the strength, the fortitude to do. You know, during the the Me Too movement, mm -hmm. when, when that first began, you know, Terry is the poster boy for male Me Too movement. And if I went to a part, and I think you're absolutely right, and I'm with you, I was with you, but I thought, how the fuck do you even, you <laughs> yep. know, I don't know if you know the story, Jackie. Mm -hmm. Do you know the story of, he went to a party, mm -hmm. the agent grabbed him yep. inappropriately. Yeah. But if that happened to me, I would hate it as much as you fucking hated it, you know? And I think this is inappropriate and it's wrong. I don't think I would ever have whatever it takes to be public about it. Yeah. Not only be public about it, but just hammer it and hammer it and hammer it until there is a result. Yeah. And to that end is to uh, to what Jackie was just speaking about, you know, it's a powerful agency. Yeah. And you were asking for this person to be canceled. That's right. Because um, just like every ma every uh, man that was inappropriately violating abusing women. their power, violating women was canceled. And you felt like just because you're a man, this guy is gonna get away with it. Yeah. And you you sought through right to the end. Yeah. That's, I, I could never have done that. And I don't know what that takes to do that. You, well, you know, and this is, this, and the only reason I did is remember what fuels addiction, what fuels the rage is the helplessness. And I said, I'm not helpless. I'm not helpless. This is what I can do. And by doing that, I gained my power. Like by just- by But were just, you not afraid that you would lose, you gain your personal power, but were you not afraid that you would lose your 
um, opportunities. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I told my, after I tweeted out what happened, I came home and I said, hey, honey, Hollywood's over. I said, we're out. And she was like, what are you talking about? I said, I told, she was like, about Bennett? You told? She was like, yep. Because she was right there. She saw right. the whole thing. Right. She said, you said something? I said, no, I did more than say something. I wrote it and put it out. It's going viral as we speak. She's like, what? And she said, you know what? She said, Terry, we had to start over after football. We'll start over after this. I said, okay. Are we good? She said, we're good. Pow. Wow. We fist bump. Because this is another thing. I didn't do this alone. I, She was right there with me the whole time. And she was, Terry, you need to do this. Because this, this is another Wait, thing. Wait, but she wasn't, you just. No, what I mean is, there's never, there's no women in my family that haven't been inappropriately uh, abused. abused. And so she was like, you know what, Terry? This stuff happened to me. This is what we're going to do. And I was like, yep. And I was just listening to her, listening. And it was so wild because as the women were coming forward, I was just following their lead. I was actually just in a, my whole thing to come forward was to support the women who did that? Because I didn't even name Adam Bennett at first. I didn't even put his name out there. But all these dudes, everybody, the whole internet were like, they're calling them bitches and hoes. And yeah, that's what you got to do to get in Hollywood. Yeah, they liked it. But the thing is, no one gets paid to tell. You get paid for silence. When you, as soon as you tell, you ain't get no money. I ain't get no money. You know what I mean? Like, you don't, as soon as you speak it, it's a wrap. Your, your check is over. Anybody who ever got a check, you were quiet. Okay. Right. And so everyone felt like, oh, this is, they're trying to get some big payday. I'm like, oh, no, nah. Cause that happened to me. And I'm sitting there the whole time, like, that happened to me. Yeah. Then I, you know, I had the conversation with my castmates on Brooklyn Nine Nine before I even went public. They were like, what? I was like, dude, isn't that crazy? And they were like, oh, that's so crazy. And I went, I need to tell this stuff. So when you What went, was the straw that broke the camel's back? Because I'm sure you were thinking about it for oh, yeah. a while while it was going on. How what long was, how long from the time it went on to the time you went public? Oh, it was it was a year. Oh. It was a year. But so see Answer but, her question. What was the straw that broke the camel's oh, back? Oh, the straw was the straw was again when I when the soon as everyone did was the New York Times had all this this article about all this stuff that Weinstein was doing. And and then when I just went online and I saw all these people who were doing, who were just dogging these women out. And I said, this is not true. And I was sitting on set and I just started tweeting. I mean, I literally let, I wrote the whole thing out. And I remember it all came, was a, in like a, a whole little system. And then I just pressed go. Like I let all the tweets out at once and I felt, and I went back to work. And then I saw, it was so funny. People were holding the lights and stuff and people were looking at me like, uh-oh. Like like you saw it popping no, up yeah, on people's screens? Yeah, well, people were like, what? <laughs> and as I was continuing the day, you could feel the energy. It was like, oh my God, oh my God. And then my phone was buzzing and my publicist was calling. I had no, listen, no, my wife didn't know. Nobody knew. I just, but it was, this is how you know it's something that triggered. Like it was something that I needed to do that was was it had to change like like I knew that was the only thing I could do and I did it and it felt like wow it felt like a thousand pounds off my back now you mind you I went to the agency the next day like 
It wasn't like I didn't go. People like I didn't bring it up to the agency. Why didn't you tell? I, dude, I told every he. I told Ari Emanuel, Adam Bennett, my own agent, Brad Slater. I told my manager. I told everybody. And I was like, what are you going to do? Oh, we're going to take this very seriously. Oh, this is crazy. Bennett calls me. I'm so sorry. I was drunk. I'm sorry. I was like, yeah, man, but, but hey, I'm the client. You're like, dude, you can't do that to the clients. What is going to happen? Well, we're going we're gonna to do it. And nothing happened. Zero. Zero. And then a year, then finally I get a call from Ari Emanuel, who's like, well, I want to sit down and meet with you at the Four Seasons Beverly Hills. I was like, oh, so? Like, he was like, I'm going to do you the benefit of actually meeting with you. And I was like, wow. And then when I met with him, I said, hey, man, you know you work for me. He laughed. <laughs> he said, oh, yeah, okay. Uh, okay, what are we going to do? What I'm going to do, I'm going to take his title. And we're going to give him three months suspension. I said, hey, man, you can't touch the clients and go back to work, period. I said, that's not enough for me. He said, that's not enough? I said, dude, what he did, I was like, yo, man, I'm the, I, I'm the client. I pay you. I paid you millions of dollars. If I, I said, if I went to Vons and the guy bagging my groceries grabbed my balls, hey, man, he's fired. You don't get to, I don't, now you can get to continue to shop at Vons. Thank you very much. And the whole thing. I'm like, no. But he can make an excuse. I grabbed the wrong bag. Yeah. Paper or flesh? <laughs> paper, you want paper or flesh? I'm like, yeah. I'm, dude, I said, that's not enough for me. And, and they were like, because they thought I wanted millions of dollars. That was the big thing. Like, okay, he's waiting for a big pay. I said, no. I said, what I want is he cannot be an agent. You, you, you goofed it up. You had your shot. You goofed it up. Go wow. go do something else. Wow. But you can't be an agent anymore. Who's gonna I mean, what? You gonna send your you gonna send your daughter to go work with this guy? You gonna send your son to go work with him? Huh? Nah. I, my son's in the business right now. I know. You see what he's I'm saying? Great. Yeah. And he's doing his thing. But I know there's a bunch of Adam Bennett's out there. Okay. And I'm like, hey, no, and watch yourself. Look out, man. And I said, this guy blew it. He had a shot. You're head of the movie department, bro. You you should know more than everybody in the whole building that you can't put your hands on the clients. You're gone. And they were like, no, sorry. They said, we agree to get, disagree. And you know what I brought up? I brought up Mel Gibson. Ari Emanuel wrote a letter on the Huffington Post saying that Mel Gibson should be banned from Hollywood for anti-Semitic remarks. Right. And I said, hey, man. Anti-Semitic remarks, as reprehensible as they are, they're not even illegal. I said, dude, so you saying Mel Gibson should be out, but your boy who did a crime, literally punishable by law, he should be fine. I said, man, read your own shit, man. Read your own letter. And he was, I, I can't. Sorry, I agree to disagree. I was like, I know how you're playing it. So we're going to go all the way. And see, that was another thing, because every one of those little indiscretions, they, you know, they call them micro, that was a macro aggression. You know, he was like, fuck yeah. you. I was like, whoa, you going to really, I'm coming to meet with you and you literally end with fuck you? Like, hey. I was like, all right. See, and everybody went, he went, I kept going. I was like, yo, man, he gave me no choice. They gave me no other recourse. I was like, all right, we got to go all the way then. I spent five hundred thousand dollars of my own money, Holly. 
my own money. And I said, you know what? I'll spend a million to win a dollar. And I said, I'll probably never work again, but I know I'm doing the right thing. Like my wife was like, we're with you. She said, wow. I'm with you. Wow. And, and what happened, he ended up retiring is what happened. Because what happened was, you know, you don't rob the biggest bank in LA. You've been robbing little banks all the way till you get to Terry Crews, okay? So what happened, there were other people who came forward and they were like, yeah, he did this to me. And we'll join your case privately and the whole thing. And then they, they said no mas, cause it was start, it was gonna get real ugly. And I was like, how far you wanna take it? And they were like, okay, we're done. So he's gonna retire. We're gonna give you all your fees back that you spent on your lawyer and we'll be done. And I was like, thank you. That's what I wanted in the first place. That's wow. all I wanted. Wow. And that's heroic. It's, it's, but, but this thing, man, and the heroes, it's always an accidental hero. Do you think they learned their lesson? <laughs> no. Do you no, right? Uh, because, I mean, it's but, not them, it's humanity. No, yeah. No, I know, but I mean the agency, it sounds like when more people started coming and when they saw that it was gonna be a loss for them, then okay, we'll take the L and move on. It wasn't because there was so much remorse. Oh, right? it was it was dirt. I mean, it was they had private investigators following me. They had fake stories they were making up, going right to the press. I mean, come on. It was I was getting warned. They were like, Well, we 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 have pictures and things with you with prostitutes in, in uh in Monte Carlo and the whole thing and we're about to go public and all that. I was like, oh, go ahead. That's my wife. That's a picture of me and my wife. You know that, right? I said, you know what you just called her? I said, hey man, I'm sorry, bro. But this is the thing about coming forward and being transparent is that my dirt, anything I had ever done was already out. Like I they didn't have anything to be like, ah, oh, we got you. I was like, no man, I've been to therapy almost six, seven years now. So and I've already been forward about anything that you could try to twist on me. So, and me and my wife worked it out. So now, that's where the honesty came for me and protected. You sleep well, don't you? I sleep so freaking good. <laughs> yeah. well, um, do you have anger still? You, you know what? I know how to deal with it. But it's there. What, but no, but this is the thing. I'm no longer helpless. Only thing that creates rage is when you feel like, imagine like you boxed in and somebody's got you in a, if you're buried, feel like you're buried alive. You know right. what I mean? That That's what rage feels like. It's like road rage. You feel like, people just like, why did this guy go crazy? It feels like someone's pumped dirt on your coffin and you're in it. And you mm -hmm. just wanna, I gotta get you. I don't feel that way anymore. I always have a release valve. Did I, I always have a way out. Now that you're transparent and open about everything, does that trickle down to your kids? Do your kids come to you about every little thing yes. and they're overly transparent and share everything with you knowing that you'll be accepting? Well, I, I have to say this. I don't expect them yeah. to do my level of of transparency, mm -hmm. but we can talk about anything. Yeah. Like what happens is, is now my you know, we'll sit around a table and they're free to share as much as they want. You know what I mean? And, and I understand if there's some things that they just want to keep to themselves, that's okay. But we have real conversations about sex, about life, about, you know, relationships, about people, about love, about what what's real, what's not. And man, it's it was a it's night and day from when I grew up. Well, what's amazing is, and I, I you know, Obviously, I know you professionally, and I, I love you 
for as little time as we spend together, we really do. But I was really bowled over. We went to the uh, Kids' Choice Awards, yeah. and his son works at Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon, <laughs> yeah. And I, I saw you on the show, too. Where you got COVID. <laughs> Pardon me? Where where I, got... I think that's where I got COVID. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, 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 you know, watching him watch his son and, and, and seeing the genuine joy in the father-son relationship, his son was so excited to have his dad there. He was so excited to watch his son. You know, it's the exact opposite of what you're explaining your childhood and your relationship with your parents. Yep. The fact that we... And I think that's what everybody should strive for. You know, everybody's got flaws and shit in their life, but you got to break that um, cycle. cycle. That cycle. Yeah. And it seems like you are, and and that's really hard because we we act the way we were grown up. We're, we're products of our environment. Yeah. And this seems like at least what I see with you and your son. It's so. It seems so healthy and so wonderful and so joyous and so. You know, you just described incredibly dark, yeah. a very dark, dark, dark time. This is like sunshine. This is like the opposite of what you've described. Man, I am. You see, let me, I'm gonna tell you. In America, we we got it wrong. I, I think there's a lot of perspective that that we need adjustments on. Um, you know, if you live in America, you're damn near rich. I'll be honest with you, because it's always. I used to live in, not everywhere. Oh, hold on, hold on. I used to live in comparison to everybody. You know what I mean? Like I look, and if I don't have 400 million, 500 million like The Rock, I'm poor. But when I started to really look at what I had, and this is what I mean, is I had my wife, I had my kids. I could, I could actually, I had a car, I could pay my bills, I could do my thing. I was a rich man in terms of the world. You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, and this in is perspective. What I, it's perspective. That's what I'm saying. What about a perspective change? If you have a car, you're actually only one percent of the humanity. People don't know that. Like, if you have a car, you're one percent. You're in the top one percent richest people in of in the world. But the perspective is always bent. You're supposed to have four. You know, right. you're supposed to have a vacation home or you, you somehow you're missing it somehow. you. But I started to and with the therapy and when I started to see my family as, as like, that's my riches. Like, it doesn't matter what Hollywood is. This doesn't matter. And this is one thing that makes it so great about AGT. You know, when I get up there and I'm always in tears on that show, yeah, <laughs> I'm I always because I see the fight that people have to go through, the courage that it takes to get in front of everyone and put yourself out there. And then, and it's like, man, and then you give them something like a golden buzzer and they're like, oh my God, you just gave them a, a dream. It's better than money. It's better than money because they can do whatever they want with that. Well, especially this year, your golden buzzer, oh. that kid. Oh, that was, dude, I was, man. I was crying. I'm, about, I'm getting emotional now. You yeah, know? I was crying before. Did you see his yeah, golden buzzer? The sax player. Um, that kid has just had such a real, a real tough time tough. and was incredibly articulate, sadly, about his feelings about not being worthy and thinking about suicide and, um, just how tough his life is. So to be witness in that room to, um, he said, he said, we said, what does the show mean to you? Or what does this mean to you? Before he got the golden buzzer, mm -hmm. before he played, he said, I think that this is, you know, 
and I think that most people go through life going, what is my purpose? What, why am I here? He thought this is why he's here. If he does okay today, this is why, this is my purpose. And, and his that, mom made him go too, right? He yeah. didn't even sign yeah. up. Yeah. It was his mom. It was his mom. Yeah. His mom made she, And she was standing, you were standing with standing him. standing right there with her. Dude, uh, and again, when I just look at what this is, because I don't, I, I, you know, it's really not, you know, who's to say one singer is better than a sax player that's better than a dancer? You can't whole really. Thing. You can't. It's subjective. You know what I mean? All right. But all you have to do is go out there and give your all. See, because in comparison, it's like, well, was I good enough? But when you just deal with what you have and just enjoy what you have, and that's what we, when you see somebody out there enjoying what they have, you just gotta, I'm like, man, that's how I have to live. Like, I, every, I get reminded all the time, man, enjoy what you have, dude. Stop looking at what everybody else got and then comparing. Start looking at what you have. And listen, and every time I do that, I, get, I go home and I go, holy cow, man. I almost lost all of this, you know? I'm also fascinated to, to, to jump around a little bit, but I always look, uh, I'm not a huge I'm a aficionado of sports, but I'm fascinated by the fact that, you know, when you look on a field or you look on a court or on the ice, there's 20, 30 people there that in my mind are like the chosen because every kid in America, every kid in the world, because they grab from all over the world, is like competing. It starts yeah. on the school ground, on the, uh, in the schoolyard, and then you may be put into, uh, you know, some sort of- A league. A or league something. Yeah. or something like that. And then, like you, NFL. That's right. I would think that when you join them, that you would think that that would be, and if for a lot of people, that is the epitome. That is the goal. And that is, were you happy in the NFL? No, no. No. Because, again, man, you, you never, you know, it's, I, like, I like to call it dangling carrots. You know, there's a stick and there's the carrot. And you never get it. What like, do you mean you never got it? You, you, got, got, the, you, got, you got drafted. No, yeah. And then, there's all, then you got to make, you got drafted, but you got to make the team. And then when you make the team, you're competing with other people on the team. Nonstop. Like every week. You, people don't know, you don't get an NFL contract. Your, your my, my contract was game to game, okay. So really, you get, oh One yeah, game? you get you get game you get a game to game contract where literally they can cut you at any time, but you have to play for them. They have your rights, but you can get cut anytime, and you don't get a dime after you get cut. So it's this constant hamster race where you're like, Argh! and so, so the thing is, your teammates become your enemies. Because you got to beat your teammates. Because I got to be better than you, and they would play it. They'd be like, "Hey, you know, uh, Bob had a really great practice week this week." And you're like, "Oh my god! Like, what does that mean? Like, does that mean I'm leaving? Does that mean?" Then they just leave you with that, dude. It was a nightmare. My stomach was upside down. Most players, and this is another thing with players, and with sports, and, and in general, is. When you say it's the pinnacle, the sport, you, and when you are great, you become amazing. Wait, you're not even just great. You're better than everybody else. Like, literally. Like, I am, you know, people, I'm Terry Crews. I am the NFL superstar. I am better than everybody. And all of a sudden, you, and you look, and look at a lot of the problems, especially with the, the league that I was in, 
it was, you know, I knew rapists. I knew people who beat up everybody. You go to the club, whatever, and they'd be fighting everybody, and they expected everything. It was all entitlement. Um, and you realize they were this because they felt they were better than other people. They've been told this from college all the way up. But the problem is, is when you're done playing, you're not, you not only are you not great better than everybody, you're not worse than everybody. You become your wins and you become your losses. That's my theory about Tom Brady. He left and Giselle told him to do the dishes one time and he went right back to the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, all his, first of all, I don't know if Tom wants non-football talk. Yeah. Like, even Tom is a little like, uh, I like this. Uh, well, that becomes your self-worth. It, it, yeah. Dude, first of all, the horror of, because what's, what's going to happen, look at old basketball players, man. I know, for a while, it's wild, man. I'm a Dr. J nut. Right. But there's, my, my kids are like, Dr. Who? That's hard. I mean, it happens in Hollywood. No, always. You I know, always talk the, about the, that the all the time. The fight to be relevant. The fight to, to uh, we want, people want to know my name. Uh, uh, and who are you? Who are you again? Is your name where? What? Where are you? Oh, that's a horrible, horrible feeling. But I've learned. I've learned to disconnect that from who I am. Before, that was all me. Like, well, that's that's our culture now. Like yeah. on, on social media, the numbers, the clicks, who knows your name, the identifiable notoriety. Dude, if you don't have so many followers, don't even do it. Like now, you know, it used to be where you played piano for your family. You know, right. but now if you're not playing for five million people, I, I quit the lessons. And everybody's doing that. <laughs> but everybody's doing that, right? If yeah. anybody on Instagram, it's always Joe Schmo in their underpants on their bed that's getting, you know, how many followers do they have? But But it's a lie. First of all, the, the the Instagram is the picture that you painted and whatever. And I know the people in the jet, and then they get off the jet and go back and drive away. Uh, and then you look at Twitter, it's all bots. They're not even real people. That's what so flipped me out, you know, when you find this one person who can mimic But you're killing people. it on social media. But but again, but I'm I'm real. What you see is what you get. I mean, I don't have a I don't make it up. It's just, hey, I'm having fun. I'm doing my thing. If the followers are following, but you got to understand, social media almost killed me a couple of years ago. Why? Oh, just because of the backlash. Oh, oh BLM. Oh, yeah. man. You got to understand. I was canceled. I've been there because I had questions. Hey, man, I love, listen, black lives do matter. I, that's all it. But I was like, wait, if we're going to get on the plane, where are we going? And they were like, shut up. Don't you ever, ever question where we're going. I was like, but where, you're flying the plane. Where are we gonna get, what is the intent? What is the final goal? And they were like, shut the hell up, Terry Crews. And I said, all right, man, all right, I'm out. Because, you know, it's kind of this, it's not the same. I'm not gonna compare the same and I don't wanna get either one of us in oh. trouble. Oh. But it's it's kind of like always in, in social media, um, perception outweighs um, like, all they're saying is, why are you questioning it? It may be the right question, but the same thing is just like I will get hit for, and it's not comparable, but no. I will get hit for a joke. Right. But right. I was just, well- Your observation. Well, but it's not even my observation. It's how you took my joke. Oh. It's intent. how you, it's, yeah. it's intent versus perception. Yeah. And on social media, perception 
is king, yeah. right? It's like, it, it's at the beginning of our conversation, you go, it's about how it looks yep. on the outside. Everybody thinks Terry Crews is the, you, you said that that package on the outside, everything's going good, everything's positive, everything, but inside you had the anger and it wasn't real. That's what social media is. It, in your intent was to question, yep. and maybe you would get an answer that would satisfy you. Yep. But the perception is, you're questioning something that's really important. Yeah. You're questioning something that is needed. You're questioning something against your own community and your own culture. And that's as far as the perception of what you were doing was doing. But right. the same, at the same token, I make a joke, the perception is you're being racist, yeah. you're being inappropriate, you're being, but that wasn't my intent. No. But, but it doesn't got, mean that it, we're not, they're not wrong either. But, but see, but social media is about a performance too. Like, yeah. it's it's kind of wild because everyone is performing on social media. Right. So, and it's wild because I have people who, who tweeted bad things at me, but then when I see them face to face, I'm like, hey, how you doing? Like, hey, how you doing? Well, it's hard to face somebody. Well, yeah. It's really easy because to be. It's, I... Because the performance is great. Right. And then you look at me and I'm like, I'm looking you in your eye. And I'm like, so but can is we the, talk? Is is the... Is the social media the, and I'm talking about just the words, mm -hmm. is that the reality? And when they see you in person, is that the performance? Well, it, well <laughs> no, a little <laughs> bit of both, I guess. That's a really great observation. That's a little bit of both. Right? Because people feel like they can say whatever they want and be evil yeah. and mean when they're not face to face. Yeah. But then when they're face to face, they're really nice and everything, but they don't mean it they, oh. because they can't say what they really thought. Like, people, I, what was so funny is I had some people who went on went on me on social media, and I saw them at a at an event the other day. And you know, I will never mention it, but the guy would never wouldn't look me in the eye. He was talking to me, but wouldn't look me in the eye. He was like, "Yeah, Terry, how you doing, man? Good to see you, brother. All right, good, good. Good to see you." <laughs> it was crazy, and I was going, uh, "Yeah." I kept trying to get him, but because this is the thing, man, I am not running from anything. I don't have to. I'm like. I'm me. I'm just doing. I'm not performing. I'm not showing. I'm just. Uh, if, if if it was honest, I know it was honest. But this is what's so wild about the state of comedy right now. You know what I mean? When you it's look actually at the state of the, communication. Yeah, communication. But when I look at, you know, you know, when everyone wants to catch you in a, a slip up, whereas it's not. You're not even looking at my heart anymore. Where you're waiting for me to slip and say something that you can catch me? Oh man, you know it's like a little traps everywhere. And I thought because That's I not think cool. I think that what you described about yourself as a human being is our society now, and there is an anger. Yeah, there is just an underlying anger in everybody. Yeah. And if they could, if they could find a reason to throw that punch, yeah. they just want to punch. They're just angry. They're, the world feels trapped. Yeah. And if you could yes. take it out on a word you read, on an image you see. And you can go fuck you. You yep. know you can't say that. That that releases some of that anger in them. And we're living in a real tough time right now. Yeah. And I want to say that uh, I could talk to you for like nine right. hours. And I do you do a podcast? I don't. I always love doing people's podcasts. You but should I, do a th podcast. That's what I was saying. We no. should talk about that. You should do a podcast because you don't even need a guest because you your words are inspiring. You couldn't talk. This is a, a real good milieu for you, uh -huh. just speaking. You know, I, I don't know if you enjoy it even without a question, but you can put yourself with a co-host that could present you with the whatever the issue of the day is, and you could just talk on it. But I, I think that my listeners, and more importantly, all listeners, 
could listen to you. And I think what you do, and that's why your book. I would love to listen to you and your wife. Oh because yes, because your relationship. Why don't you? Why don't oh, you guys music. do a podcast? Oh, look, I've got goosebumps. Well, we we actually did. We did a, an audible book called Stronger Together. Everything I just told you is in my wife's viewpoint, in her view, in her voice. It's on Audible right now called Stronger Together, and it's Rebecca, me and Rebecca, and Rebecca tells you exactly what she was thinking as we were going through all of this stuff. Dude, when I tell you, you got to say, man, I'm getting choked up thinking about it, man. When, you be in, when you're with two people, there's so, it's so much work. You know right. what I mean? Like right. putting up that stand every day. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, you had like building a house to put up every day, and then taking it down, and then putting it, putting it back up. I was exhausted, exhausted. And the reason my, my wife told me, she said, what is it I don't know about you, Terry Crews? I was so tired, I just told her. <sighs> you know what I mean? Like, I just couldn't do it anymore. And being one person, it's so freeing and easy and wonderful. Like, when I say, hey, man, I love you, man, and I mean it. Well, I'm so not lying. So I'm not saying the bullshit. Is, I'm like, yo. This is good. Hey, well, when, so I, when I. you see me and I say, hey, what's up, man? I mean it. And it's just so freeing. And so it was so exhausting. And I get energy. I got new energy. I got new things. Like, again, I think Hollywood is getting to a point where one day, you know, if you eat meat, you may not get a job. You know, it'd be like, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, hey, man, we don't want any meat eaters on our sets anymore. You know, I don't know. You know, so I don't get to call how, you know, what's in and out but i'll be happy doing anything well like, yeah here's what i'm saying I, mean? I would love to produce it for you but you and you and rebecca from your home you do uh you you talk on life and you spread the word and you take calls and questions from wow. everybody that is suffering and your perspective on what it is, I'm telling you, it would go through the roof. Thank you, Holly. We would cruise to a better life. Thank you, That's, <laughs> oh, that's oh, the name oh, of the podcast. Oh, yeah. We're already producing yeah. <laughs> Somehow, so buy the book. just slipped up from my pocket to yours. How did that happen? <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, it is, is worth doing. Um, I love you. I'll see you in a couple of days. Right? I know, I know. You guys, you know I love you guys. You, as a family, you guys just represent so many wonderful things, and you know. I was so honored. He asked me to. Uh, Terry has a, a star on the walk. I know. Of the I remember that. Oh, he asked me to speak. He could ask anybody to no. speak. I went there, but I watched his family and him and the interaction. And one of the most beautiful moments that I can't get out of my head is watching. Is it your grandmother? Grandmother, ninety-five. Ninety-five years, years old. He brought her out to see, and you can imagine from what he has been telling us what life she started from the deep south the yeah. deep south and what she has seen in the oppression and the shit that she has gone through and then to watch his her her offspring being celebrated uh, in hollywood and become in and you talked about generational wealth and in, in in every way you just you're pulling not only your family but people who listen to you and 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 you're pulling us toward the light dude dude her husband worked on a chain gang. I mean, he was in jail. And I mean, she did everything she could do to bring that, keep the family together. And you know, one thing I love about that day, she was like, these white people really like you. <laughs> She's never seen that. Yeah, she was like, they're not bullshit. No, they're like, they really do like you. <laughs> Dude, I cried. It was so- No, it you just, did. 
It was so wonderful, man. And I, I I've thank only you, known Howie. I've only known uh, Terry for a few years personally, uh, but you cry a lot. I do. <laughs> hey, wait. After the therapy, I never. My wife will tell you I never cried. Never. For what? for twenty years of our marriage, I never cried ever. And you know what was weird? I was watching Lean on Me. You know the movie with Morgan sure. Freeman. Sure. And I couldn't stop crying, dude. I cried for hours, Howie. I can't even understand. I'm watching the movie, and I don't know what triggered what it was. It was like the fact that Morgan Freeman was taking care of these kids, and he was looking after them like a dad, and he was just like, I'll do Mr. Clark, we love you, Mr. Clark. And I was just like, oh! And I was crying. That was the first time I cried. I was like, I'm crying. I'm crying. I can't stop. I can't. And my wife was like, are you okay? I was like, I'm not okay. And <laughs> you I guys should okay. go see a sad movie together. He cries. He cries a click. <laughs> I cried right? a click. The Adam Sandler, Adam Sandler movie. movie where that, it goes I so was fast. in that movie. Yes. I was next yeah. to him in the car. Well, you made it. him cry. <laughs> you know, just missing my daughter's life. Like it yeah. went back so so fast and I related. I'm really emotional too. Yeah. So I connect with you. I'm sure our listeners connect with you. We got to do more. I'm going to yep. see you this week. We have a, an amazing season. Season 17 on yes. AGT I think is epic. On in every way, fires on every uh, cylinder that you can fire on on television, so from emotion to laughter to danger to everything. The book, Get Tough, Be Tough. It's uh, just tough. Just tough. Tough. Just tough, tough is uh, wherever you get your, uh, your books now. Anything that's Terry Crews, click on um, subscribe, review. Thank you, Terry. Uh, thank you. Love you guys. Oh, that was great. Oh, I know, I do. I love.